Amen. All right, so I'm not going to be before you long. Uh, we're going to talk about unity and maturity in the body of Christ. All right, so my theme for the day is how to stay united in the body of Christ and walk as a mature Christian. Amen. Amen. Media, let's go to Ephesians 4.3 in the New King James. We're going to start at, uh, let's start at verse 1. Amen. And Ephesians 4.1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. This is Paul speaking to the church. He said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. All right. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing bearing with one another and love. And endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Amen. So that was my verse. It says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. NIV says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace through. I'm sorry. NIV says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Amen. So my first point uh, through this uh, mature Christian is, what is my purpose in life? If you're going to be a mature pur- a mature Christian, you have to know what is your purpose, all right? So to know that, we're going to go to Ephesians 2.10 in the New King James. All right? And that says, Ephesians 2.10 in the New King James says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, Okay? which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's some works we have to do, Christian. All right? Let's go uh, in the Amplified of Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those works, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. If we're gonna if we're gonna live the good life, church, we got to do his works. He's already prearranged for us to do those works. So there's no fear. All right. Just go out and do it. He's already prearranged for you to be there. All right. That's why it's no shock to God when people get healed. Because he already prearranged for you to be there. You just have to be at the right place at the right time. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians 2. In the International Children's Bible. And that says, God has made us what we are. Amen? In Christ Jesus, God made us new people so that we would do good works. God had planned in advance those good works for us. He had planned for us to live our lives doing them. Amen? Amen. All right. So also in this mature Christian, uh, uh, to live as a mature Christian we have to be, our, our conduct has to be worthy uh, of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's go to Colossians 1.10 in the New King James. All right. So Colossians 1.10 in the New King James says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So there's going to be some fruitfulness from your good work and it's going to please God. That's our number one aim is to please God, right? Amen. So we got to do some works, people. All right. In the Amplified, it says, Colossians 1, 10 in the Amplified says that you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, 
and steadily growing and increasing in, the, in and by the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper, and cleaner insight, acquaintance, and recognition, all right? So you also got to stay connected to this word. You got to know, you got to know him, all right? Because he prearranged the work for you to do, but you have to get a deeper understanding of what's your assignment. Amen? Amen. Uh, let's go to Philippians 127 in the New King James. We're still talking about conduct that is worthy of the Lord. Amen? Because people are watching. I mean, the pastor talked about us judging the world, but the world loves to judge us all the time. Amen? So we got to make sure that we're living to the word of the God. Amen? <laughs> Philippians 127 in the New King James says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. So that's the issue that's going around in the body of Christ now. So many people are divided. There's only one God, one faith, okay? So that, we, we, we got to fix that. And that's what the men of God was up here saying. We got to say something. We can't be silent anymore, all right? King James says, in Philippians 1, 27 in King James, it says, only let your conversation be as it becoming the gospel of Christ. So be careful what you say, folks. The man of God stood up and told me he was all in my message. He stood up here and told you, you know, you can't agree with what the world agree with, or you can't even agree with other Christians out there who agree with the world. Amen. Amen. And Philippians 1:27 in the Amplified says, only be sure as citizens to conduct yourselves that your manner of life will be worthy of the good news, the gospel of Christ, so that whether I do come and see you or am absent, I may hear this of you, that you are standing firm in united spirit and purpose, striving side by side and contending with a single mind for the faith of the glad tidings of the gospel. Amen. All right. Once again, there's only one God, one faith. Amen. One spirit. All right. My second point, we have to be kind to one another and walk in love. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Colossians 3.12. We're talking about unity here, and we're talking about maturedness. This is for the mature Christians. Now, if, you, if you're still a baby, you can fix it. You can fix it. I'm giving you points. You can fix it. All right? All right. Colossians 3.12 in the New Key James says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Amen. And the NIV, it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Amen. Amplified says, clothe yourself, therefore, as God owns chosen ones, his own pick representatives. God handpick you. Amen. Amen. So we have to take on the character of God, all right? Who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself by putting on behavior marked by tender-hearted pity and mercy, kind feelings, a lowly opinion of yourselves, gentle ways and patience, which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes your way with good temper. So a while back, they was talking about what trial, I think somebody preached that, when trials and tribulation come, you know what I'm saying? We don't get all upset. and uh, we, we have God's character and God's spirit in us, 
we just, you, you back that thing up, go to the Word, and you start rejoicing. Amen. 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 All right. International Children's Bible. Let's go to uh, Colossians 3.12 in the International Children's Bible. All right, and I'm going to read that for you. It says, God has chosen you and made you his holy people. He loves you. So always do the things, show mercy to others, be kind, humble, gentle, and patient. Do not be angry with each other, but forgive each other. Amen? If someone does you wrong, then forgive them. Forgive each other because the Lord forgave you. Do all these things, but most important, love each other. Love is what holds you all together in perfect unity. Let the peace that Christ gives control. Let the peace that Christ gives control your thinking. You're all called together in one body to have peace. Amen. So there's that unity again that I'm talking about. Unity in the body of Christ. Amen. And Christ gives you control. Let the peace that He gives you give control over your thinking. So when you out there, you don't know what to do. Pray. Pray in tongues. We talk about that all the time. We're a word church. Get in this word and let that peace overcome you, and he's going to tell you exactly what to do. Let's go to Colossians 3.13. We're still talking about walking in love with each other. Colossians 3.13 in the New King James says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so that you must do. I think it was Jaquetta who's talking about, you know, it's a lot of mess going on in the church, and we have to forgive one another. Family, we don't have time to be arguing with each other. There's an adversary out there who is, man, he's, he's powerful. He, 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 well, he thinks he's powerful, but we, we have to beat him. He's the enemy, not each other, all right? So we got to walk in love with each other, amen? Amen. Colossians 3.13 in the Message Bible says, Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. A lot of people forget that, that the Lord forgave them. The Lord said they want to be mad at other people. Oh, she didn't speak to me. Oh, she did this to me. She but the Lord forgave you for all the mess that you was in. So as quickly as he forgave you, you have to forgive others, especially in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to Ephesians 4.15. Now, we're still talking about love now. Now, now, now I'm going to get on the other side of here, you know, because uh, a lot of people say, oh, I love you, I love you, and then you say something they don't like, and they get upset. Now they want to leave the church. <laughs> All right? Ephesians, 14, uh, Ephesians 4, 15 in the New King James, James says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. So it's our duty to speak the truth in love. A lot of times you're not going to like what you hear in this church, but it's for your own good. And we're speaking it in love. Amen. It's to help you grow. We're talking about being a mature Christian and being uh, uh, one-minded. There's one God, one spirit, one Christ. Amen. And one body. Amen. So in order to do that, we got to keep you lined up with that oneness. So if you're stepping outside that line, then we got to speak the truth in love. Hey, bro. Come on back over here, because you not got too far out there. So don't get offended when we speak the truth in love. And we're speaking it in love. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 
let's go to Proverbs 12.1 in the New Key James. Proverbs 12.1 in the New, in the new in the, I'm sorry, in the King James. Proverbs 12.1 in the King James says, no, it's the New King James, I'm sorry. Proverbs 12.1 in the New King James says, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. I didn't say it, the Bible said it. All right? Proverbs 12.1 in the International Kids Bible says, anyone who loves learning accepts being corrected. But a person who hates being corrected is stupid. All right? I didn't say it, the Bible said it. Amen? So again, don't get offended when you hear something the man, the woman of God, or anybody who's standing up here don't like. Because it's to build you up. It's to keep you in that oneness. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 12.1 in the Message Bible. Let's read that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I like the message. I like the message. <laughs> Proverbs 12.1 in the Message Bible says, no prolonged efficiencies among us. Folks, it's time to grow up. We, I, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of work out there to be done. No prolonged efficiencies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babies in the woods, small children who are easy prey for the predators. That's why the man of God and the woman of God are so hard on us. And I wouldn't say they're hard on us because they're receiving from the Lord. Sometimes it's hard for them to get up here and say what the Lord tells them to say because they know how deep it's going to cut. But the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Amen. So it has to cut in order for to go out there and do the work to the Lord that we're going to do. Amen. Amen. A lot of y'all go to your job and your boss talk to you in a kind of way. And then you come back the next day or your co-workers. Amen. So just receive this instruction. Trust me, it's for, it's for your own good. Pastor talked about that. You know, sometimes, you know, that, that SS tonic and Robitussin and all that other stuff you took. When you, was it Robitussin? All that stuff you took when you were a child, it didn't, take, it didn't taste good. I remember taking Flintstone vitamins, and that stuff was not good. But it's working on the inside. It's doing something on the inside out. Amen? Amen. So don't let what you see and how you feel and how things may seem, and don't let your emotions and your body and your flesh dictate what's working on the inside. Amen? Amen. Let's look at, uh, okay, let's go back to Proverbs 12, 1. I was reading that. So the message Bible says, no prolonged efficiencies among us. Please, will not tolerate babies in the woods, small children who are easy prey for predators. God wants you to grow up, to know the whole truth, and tell it in love. And that's what our man and woman of God are doing here, or anybody else who's behind this podium. They're telling it in love, like Christ and everything. We take, like Christ and everything, we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He has to be number one in everything you do. There's that unity. There's that unity again. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourish, nourishing, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy and God, robust in love. Amen? So I just told you, there's, there's something on the inside that he's doing, and he's working. It's working for our good. And don't, you, you're going to grow up healthy. All that, all that stuff, I'm telling you, once you get past your feelings and your flesh, you're going to be glad you stayed with it and who you stayed with. Amen? Amen. Let's go to my third point here. It's going to be keep the unity of the spirit. 
all right? The unity of the spirit. One of the first, God, uh, one of the first commandments that God spoke was in Deuteronomy 5, 7. And he said, you must not have any other gods except me. I am the only God. Don't listen to any of these other pastors or mega pastors or mega preachers or mega teachers or anybody who says there's many ways to God. Jesus said there's only one way through the Father, one way, and that's through me. Amen? Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 12. First Corinthians 12, 12 in the New King James says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Amen? So basically what's that saying is Christ is the head, we're the body. All right? So we need to be doing something. Amen? The, children, the children's Bible in that same verse says a person's body is one thing but it has many parts. Yes, there are many parts to a body, but all those parts only make up one body. Christ is like that too. Amen. The Amplified Bible in that same verse says, for just as the body is a unity and yet has many parts and all the parts, though many, form only one body. So is it with Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Amen. So here is telling us each one of you plays a part in this ministry. Amen? Amen? So a lot of times, tell me this, if there's a toe that is not functioning or not circulating or not getting any blood, what do they do with that toe? They cut that toe off. Amen? So if you don't want to get uh, cut off, man, you got to get to work. We got some work to do, because we're all Christ's body. Amen? Every one of you is important. Amen? Amen. If... <laughs> Ephesians, let's go to Ephesians 4.4. 4. Ephesians 4.4 4 says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called and one hope of your calling. Amen. Let's go to Psalms 133.1. We're still talking about unity. That is so powerful. You know anybody that I have a military guys in here besides myself? <laughs> so, <laughs> so in the in the military, when you when you go into the military, you know, I I've 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 never went through the process. I just I got grandfathered in, so but <laughs> When you, when you join the military, okay, then the first thing they do is strip you down. Then they shave your head to make you look like them because they understand that there's power in unity. You got to look like us. You can't look like them out there. You can't look like a civilian. Then they're going to give you a uniform, okay? So now you got to dress. That's what we was talking about, that humility and kindness. Now you got to dress a certain way, all right? So you're going to put on kindness. You're going to put on humility. You're going to put on love, amen? And then they're going to they're gonna train you on what they're going to tell you. They're going to strip you down and tell you, hey, this is how we operate here. Anything outside of that, you're going to get kicked out. We're not going to tolerate any foolishness or acting like a civilian because you are a soldier now. Amen? Amen. The same way in the body of Christ, God is telling us, hey, 
man, you, you are a soldier for me now. And this is the way you're supposed to conduct yourself. You're supposed to act. You're supposed to walk. You're supposed to talk. Okay? We got to, we got to walk in love. We got works we have to do. You got healing you have to do. I want you to study this word day and night. There's a lot to do in the body of Christ. And I'm telling you today, God is saying, hey, if you don't get the program, we're going to have to kick you out this army. And you don't want to get kicked out of God's army. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all saying that, I'm in the army of the Lord. Y'all better stay. Y'all better do the works to stay in the army. Everybody better put their hands to the plow because there's a lot of work to do. All right? You can't sit in the military and not do nothing because you're going to get kicked out. <laughs> All right, we still, we still talk about unity, amen? Psalms 133.1. Let's go to Psalms 133.1. Thank you, media. They already got it up there. Let's go to, uh, yes, thank you, media. 133.1 in the Message Bible. It says, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. That's a beautiful thing. Now, this is God speaking now. He said, that's a beautiful thing when brothers and sisters get along. Amen. It's like costly anointing oil flowing down from the head and beard, flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his priestly robe. It's like dew on Mount Hermon, flowing down the slopes of Zion. Yes, that's where God commands the blessing, ordains eternal life. So, again, folks, we don't have time to be arguing with each other, strife in the church. God, God, God said he loves this. He said how wonderful and beautiful it is when brothers and sisters get along. Because he understands that when we're united, we can get more done. Pastor just spoke that where two or three are gathered in his name. That's unity. Two or three? I heard somebody preach one or two, and I'm looking like, no, that ain't right. No, not one, not one or two. You need two. Two is unity, amen. <laughs> We're two of three, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go to uh, Psalms, one, <laughs> Psalms 133 in the Message Bible. Let's read that. Psalms 133, 1 in the Message Bible. Actually, I don't... You know what? I didn't write that verse down. So it says, so I'm not sure what, I didn't, I didn't copy it right, but this is the message, Bob. It says, you were, you were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and father and father, one God and father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is president all. Everything you are, everything you are and think and do is pre pre premated with oneness. So that word pre is that premated? Premated premated means spread throughout. All right. So when you when you <laughs> permeated, thank you. Permeated. That means spread throughout. Amen. With oneness. Oneness. Amen. Amen. Let's look at Ephesians 4, 3 in the children's Bible. I love the children's Bible, man. They make it, they make it so plain. I mean, they just, they just, I mean, I'm like, I, yeah, I can understand it. 
Not that, I mean, I can understand the other verses, but the, the children Bible just break it. I mean, they just make it simple. It's just simple. I like the children Bible. Amen. <laughs> Let's look at Ephesians 4.3 in the children Bible. It says that you are joined together with peace through the spirit. Do all you can do. Do all you can do all you can to continue together in this way. Let peace hold you together. Or you can say, let love hold you together. Amen. Peace and love are the same thing. As a matter of fact, love brings peace. Amen. Amen. Romans 12:4 says, you don't have to turn there, but we're gonna go to Romans 12:4. It says, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Amen? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 27. We're going to get into your, uh, your mission, your assignment here. We're going to start passing out roles. Amen? 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Because it's our job to build up the kingdom of God. God is waiting on you to move. He's like, hey, I need you, 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 amen. And he's chosen all of us. Hey, he already, he's already prearranged the work. We just got to walk in it. How simple is that? You just got to walk in it. If, they, if, if the prophet told you that go to the bank and I got $1,000 there waiting on you, you going to go. You ain't going to wait around and say, no, I'll go tomorrow. No, i think about it. No. He's already prearranged for the bank to give you the $1,000. He's already told you that the $1,000 is there. What you waiting on? Amen? Amen. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 27. And we're going to start at, uh, let's start, let's go to, uh, what is 1 Corinthians 12 in the Message Bible. And we're going to start at verse 27. All right, and I'll read it for you. It says, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. And you must never forget that. All right? Only as you accept your part of the body, only as you accept your part of that body, does your part mean anything. You're familiar with some of the parts that God has formed in his church, which is his body. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, organizers, those who pray in tongues. But it's obvious by now, isn't it, that Christ's church is a complete body and not a gigantic, uh, undimensional part. It's not all apostles, not all prophets, not all miracle workers, not all healers, not all praying tongues, not all interpreter tongues, not all should pray in tongues. And yet some of you keep competing for the so-called important parts. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't, we can't be in competition with each other. Each one of these parts are important, okay? In the, in the military, again, in the military, you don't see somebody who's just coming in trying to be a general. That's not his part. That's not, you ain't been here long enough. You haven't developed long enough, amen? So each one of you has a part to play, all right? We got to put our hands to the plow. Now, I just list a bunch. Everybody in the church should be doing something because you play an important part. Like I say, if, if the foot ain't doing what it's supposed to do, then the body is, you're slowing the body down. Amen. So I encourage you today, if you're not in any one of these, get there. 
Amen? Because you are important. Don't think that you're not important. Well, I don't want to do that because such and such I already do, and I don't want to do that. There's plenty of helps here in the body of Christ. Amen? And we need you. We need you. We need you. Let's go to Acts 2.42 in the International Children's Bible. There's that Bible again. I love the Children's Bible. We're going we're gonna to take a look at what it looks like when, we, when we're all on one accord. Amen. When we're all in unity and in sync with each other, we're all loving on one, one another. Amen. We're all receiving correction and not getting offended. We're going to see what that looks like. Amen. Amen. Acts 2.42 in the International Children's Bible says they spent their time learning the apostles' teaching. Amen. They're all on one accord. Everybody's learning. And they continued to share, to break bread, and to pray together. Amen. There's that small groups. Amen. The apostles were doing many miracles and signs, and everyone felt great respect for God. Amen. All the believers stayed together, one mind, one body, one spirit. Amen. They shared everything. They sold their land and all the things they owed, owned, and then they divided the money and gave it to those who needed it. We're talking about unity. This is unity, man. The believers met together in the temple every day. They all had the same purpose. They broke bread in their homes, happy to share their food with joyful hearts. They praised God and all the people liked them. All what people? All the people watching on the outside. They're like, man, that church is boom. Look at that church. Look how they love on each other. Look how they share with each other. That's, that's why this church is so attractive to many. But you got to open your mouth and say something. We got to spread that word. Amen? Amen. Uh, they praised God and all the people liked them. More and more people were being saved every day. That's the important part. Because once people find out how attractive the church is and how we love on each other and we're in one unity and how God has blessed us and we're fruitful and we're multiplying, they're going to want a part of that. they be like, I want some of that. I want what they have because I, 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 I done tried it on my own. I done tried everything else. But they seem like they're so happy. Why is everybody so happy there? Amen. And then it says, more and more people were saved every day. Then the Lord was adding those people to the group of believers. Amen. So we got some work to do. We got to get out there and spread the word. You know, people, people are coming in, but not fast enough because we got a lot of work to do. The man of God told you about the evil that's going on in the world, but it's going to take every last one of us. Not just Pastor Kim, not just Apostle Jonathan Anderson, not just the deacons, not Gigi, not the media team. It's going to take even, it's going to take each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. All right. So in conclusion, in conclusion, amen, we're going to go to Ephesians 4.3, back, back to the, the main text. We're going to go in the message Bible. Now, we done, we done got our instructions. We done, we done got our part. They done told us what to do. They done gave us our mission. All right? Now, here's what the Lord needs us to do. And I, when, I, when I studied this, I looked at it as if uh, Paul was talking to the church. It was a big confusion about who Paul was talking to, all that other stuff. I looked at it as past, uh, 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 Pastor Jonathan Anderson, Pastor Kimberly Anderson, is on a mission somewhere. They're out doing mission service. 
and they hear about the stuff that's going on in the church. All right? So they send a letter back. Said, look here, y'all tighten up. We hear about what's going on. All right? So we're going to send y'all some clear instructions. And we're going to deliver it to you, all right? So these are the instructions. It says in the Message Bible, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. Don't walk, run. On the road God called you to travel, I don't want any of you sitting around in your hands. Amen? We got to get up and do something. You, you heard all the different parts. Everybody got to take a part in this. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. Stay on track. Stay on that one road. Don't take detours. Don't take any detours. Stay on that one road that God called you to travel. All right? And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts. Amen? So don't stop and start. Stop and start. Stop and start. Amen? But steadily pouring yourself out for each other at acts of love. We got the love on each other. Alert at noticing difference, differences and quick at mending fences. Amen? That's how we're going to stay united. Amen? If I, if I have a difference with you, I got to be quick and say, hey, De I'm sorry, man. Hey, listen, I apologize. You know, let's get this thing right. Let me, let me, Deacon, Deacon Matt, let me take you out to uh, IHOPs or Kissing Cousins. He like Kissing Cousins. Let me take you out to Kissing Cousins or somewhere and let's make this thing right. Because we have to do that. Because everybody in the body of Christ is important. We can't afford to lose anybody in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. That's all I have. Hallelujah. Come on, give God a hand for Deacon Tyrone tonight. Did a great job. Amen. One of our veterans, we're praising the Lord that he's a veteran of the Lord's army tonight. Amen. While you're standing, will you please welcome Brother Christopher DeBose as he comes to minister to us tonight. Come on, Brother Chris. Come on, Brother Chris. Come on, Brother Chris. They just hollering at you, man. We I love you. It. I got it. Have a good night. Thank you, sir. Well, how y'all doing? <laughs> y'all already know, right? Okay. I'm coming. Y'all just got to give me a little time now because, you know, Tyrone done took up about all of the time. It's all right. Man. <laughs> 20 minutes. 20 minutes, man. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Mm, mm. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and get started. You know, I like to thank the Lord for giving me another day or two. But, you know, anyway, I'm so glad that I'm saved and got mine. But, um, you know, you know, you know, I love this church, really. I do. Pastor, my mom over there. Okay. And then my beautiful wife over there. Huh? Yeah. And my 
my daughter, my grandkids, but you know, um, but Tyrone talked about unity, and I'm glad that he, you know what I'm saying, he done brought everyone together, so now it's time for y'all to like listen to this other word here, because we're going to go all the way into um, Revelation. And just a little introduction of this revelation. Um, the book of Revelation was written by John, not John the Baptist, but by Apostle John. And the time he wrote Revelation, he had been sent away to a small barren island of uh, Patmos. And Patmos was, was in, in the... Agency, amen. And, uh, this is where where the Roman authorities, Roman authorities had standish of Apostle John because of his faithful preaching of other gospels. And in the Book of Revelation, I'm gonna go to chapter twenty-two. Now, in chapter twenty-two, Jesus testifies to the to the churches, and Jesus let let, let Let's us know he is coming back. So we're going to go to Revelation 22, verse 12. And if y'all did, I just say amen. Now, how many of y'all done turned to Revelation that fast? And on um, 22 and 12. Come on now. That fast. Good. Google the movie. I just, I just, I just said it, and y'all already there already. Huh. Okay, okay, here we go. All right. Revelation twenty-two and twelve. You ready? Hold on tight. And behold, now this is Jesus talking. I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Now, I'm going to go to verse 13 just to let y'all really know who, who this is, right? And, and in verse 13, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and what? The last. Amen. So, my title today is Wise Up and Get Right with God. Wise Up and Get Right with God. So, another theme is we must understand that Jesus is coming back. Amen. So, I have three points. I'm going to give them to you, but I'm not going to give them to you quickly. Amen. Amen. Now, my first point is Jesus is returning quickly. Amen. And I looked up the word quickly in Strong's G5035. Amen. And that word is pronounced Right? <laughs> right, Tamara? Tahoe. Tahoe. 
Tamara told me, I said, Tamara, how, how you gonna pronounce that duh? She said, oh, you gotta, you gotta say it with the um <laughs> with, with the shoe. But I be John Brown. Look at you. <laughs> so, so anyway, so anyway, quickly means it shortly, i.e. without delay, soon, or by surprise, suddenly, or by implication of ease, readily, lightly, and Woo, quickly. Amen. So we can go to uh, Mark 13, 32 to 37. Mark 13. Mark 13. All right. Verse 32 to 37. Now I know y'all there. Amen. <laughs> yeah. And it reads, but of that day, an hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Hmm. Verse 33, take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. I'm trying to tell y'all, pay attention to this one here. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servant, and to each his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Verse 35, watch therefore, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at night, at, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Verse 36, let's come in suddenly. He find you sleeping. Mm. Verse 37, and what I say to you, I say to all. Now that's your answer. Yes. Revelations 3 and 11. Get right with God. Mm, 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 mm. Revelation 3 and 11. And it reads, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Amen. Mm. All right. And we're going to go into... My second point, and that point is, Jesus is coming back with reward. Mm. Now, I know y'all like rewards, right? Mm. All kinds of rewards? Y'all need to stop. Anyway, rewards. Okay. I looked up rewards in Strong G3408. Y'all, No. Was that right, Chris? Y'all just don't know. Y'all just don't know. 
These are some words I ain't never heard before. Uh. And it says, pay for services, literary or figuratively, good or bad, higher, reward, or wages. Now, wages is really good because I, I just I, I just got a, a nice little wage like last week. So it was, and my wife, she, she just get it all anyway. Anyway, but that's, that's, that's my wife, though. That's, that's my wife. I love you, girl. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me get back on track here. All right. Um, uh, um. <laughs> okay. And we're going to go to Isaiah. Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. Now y'all bring it on bike now. Y'all y'all get it get it get it right now. Isaiah 40 and verse 10. Amen. And it reads, Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Amen. Ah, lovely reward is coming. We're going to go to Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62 and 11. Isaiah 62 and 11, and it reads, Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed, To the end of the world, say to the daughter of Zion, Surely your salvation is coming. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Amen. And I'm going to tell you now, you probably hear me repeating this and repeating that because I'm trying to let you know. You got to get right with God, Amen. You know, it's, it's, it's not not just wising up because we all can wise up, but if you ain't right, then it's nothing for you. It's nothing, Amen. Okay. And my third point. Oh my goodness. My third point is we will be rewarded. According to our works. We will be rewarded according to our work. In Matthew 19, verse 29, in the CEV, Contemporary English Version. And it reads, all who have given up home or brothers and sisters or father and mother, or children, or land for me will be given a hundred times as much. A mm, hundred times as much. They will also have eternal life. Eternal life. How many of y'all want, want that eternal life? I know I do. Amen. Matthew 
16, verse 27. And all the while that this is Jesus talking. Matthew 16 and 27. And it says, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his work. Amen. Amen. It, that's that's just done deal there. You know, I I really need not say no more, but I just have a, a little conclusion. Amen. <laughs> well, this 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 is true story. True story. You know, years ago, back back in my day. Um, being out in the streets or whatever, just in my neighborhood and stuff, you know, um, a good friend of mine had got killed. And and while the whole neighborhood was like in a, in a disarray, you know, I'm sitting on my mom's porch and just watching and listening to all the gunshots going on, speeding cars, and but just something just came over me, right? I I just kept hearing I kept hearing hearing these words, wise up. And 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 I didn't know what what was going on because back then I'm I'm out in the streets, so so you know. But but all I know I just kept hearing something saying wise up, wise up. So so and then I just got thinking, okay, wise up. So I just started started saying to myself, wise up. You know, we, we need to wise up. We need to wise up. And that just kept sticking in me, sticking in me. You know, because cause we, we need to stop all the senseless killing. Amen. You know, and we really do need to wise up. You know, see, because we must all get right in order to receive his reward. Amen. You know, listen, Jesus is not playing with us. No, this is no no hokey pokey thing. You know what I'm saying? You put that right foot in, and then you take that right foot out. Amen. Uh, this ain't no hokey pokey here. You know, no. and 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 we all know that this is the year to turn around. Amen. And so and so, if you're gonna really turn around, just turn around and get right with God. Amen. 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 I'm done. Y'all. say them Greek words, man. That's good. You must be part Greek. We learn from the best in this house. Praise God. Well, one more. We're going to have a veteran come speak to us tonight. We all please welcome Elder Jeff as he comes and closes us out tonight. Come on, receive the word from him. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm supposed to come up after all that. He told me earlier, he said, don't worry, I'm going to leave you a lot of time. I'm going to be up there long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this opportunity to come before you in this time. Lord God, I pray right now that you use me in the manner that you see fit. Lord, I pray that you pour into me as you have all day, that I would release out exactly what you have for me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I thank my pastors for allowing me this opportunity. I thank my, my wife, my queen. So I really, I really understand now why, you know, when pastors say, you know, they're grateful for their wives who allow them to do what God has called them to do. So I'm, I'm blessed in that area. All right, since we have the time we have, let's get right at it. Very familiar scripture, uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And it reads, faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, uh, for the sake of time, my title is, or my message title is, Faith Comes with a Warranty. Faith Comes with a Warranty. I want you to imagine, if you would, because we're experiencing that right now with one of our vehicles. Like, you know, you're driving along and just everything's normal, and all of a sudden on the dashboard, this check engine light comes on. And I am so grateful that when we purchased this vehicle some years ago, that even though it took us, seemed like six hours to do this transaction, because everything we had to go through the paperwork and all that stuff, that we sat while this gentleman worked very hard to give us uh, a warranty for our vehicle. And it was such a good warranty, it's from bumper to bumper for the, for the life of the car. And it's like, we bought it in 2015, it's a 14, and I've been to that dealership so many times, so many times. But the blessing in this is, I have a warranty. I have a warranty. And I already know, every time I have to go, when that light comes on and something's not right, $107 is all I'm paying. No matter what's wrong with it, because I have a warranty. We have a warranty through faith that we need to utilize just as it is, as a warranty for us. So as I use that illustration about the car, we live life like that. In the Christian world, we live life like that. We'll, we'll be going along in life and so forth, and when the warning light comes on, we don't identify with, we have a warranty. So it, it doesn't matter what that light in your life is, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, no matter what it is, when that light comes on, you have a warranty. And, and I think some of the problem in the churches today is that we don't, not only do we not know that we have a warranty and how well that warranty covers us, we don't know what to do when that light comes on. So we start doing these humanistic things, you know, where we'll pick up the cell phone and and then you know, we'll, we'll talk to somebody else and so forth rather than get out of yourself and get into him because he's already in you. Your warrant is already in you. So no matter what your problem is, you have a warranty to fix that. Amen. 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 Um, <laughs> I'm going to do like Chris did. I looked up the word faith. <laughs> no, I ain't gonna do that. 
in the Bible dictionary. And it says, a belief or confident attitude toward God involving commitment to his will for one's life. And then I thought, well, let me see what the world says. And the online dictionary says, complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So we first have to understand faith, what faith really is. We go back to, to Hebrews, it's the substance. It's the undergirding. It's what holds you, what keeps you in every area of your life if you activate it. You see, because what happens, I've seen, I've lived through it and so forth, we don't really understand faith. We go to the scripture that talks about we walk by faith and not by sight. And, and that's not true all the time. Because first, we don't understand faith. We don't really understand what that scripture is saying about walking by faith and not by sight. Come here, baby. Yeah, help me. Okay. I want you to do this. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to have faith in me. No matter what I tell you. Okay? This is how we look at it. And when we look at God in terms of God gives us the measure of faith, we look at it as God has to do something else that he hasn't already done to make this a priority. So what, what we need to understand is because he's already giving us, given us what he's going to give us, we now have to activate the faith. Now, I want her to follow me around by what I say to her, right? Normally what we would do, and I've seen, this, I've seen a pastor do this, I thought, wow, that's cool. But then after I, I meditated on it and I, I was listening to the spirit and said, yeah, that was good. That was good, but that's, that's not right. So what the pastor did, he had his daughter come up on stage, it was a very large church. They put a blindfold on her, and he told her, he said, I want you to listen to my voice and just follow me. But in the meantime, he told the congregation, I want you all to make as much noise as you can create distractions because he wanted her to just tune in and tune everything else out. Listen to this. But then the Holy Spirit said, that's not how I really talk. He said, how I work is like this. And I go before you. That's really how you need to do it. You need to hold on, don't let go. <laughs> but when he revealed that to me, it's like, you know what? That makes all the spiritual sense in the world. It makes no earthly sense, but it makes all the spiritual sense in the world. Because we have a tendency to stand off from God, and he constantly telling him, come near me. Come near me. Come near me. We keep looking for God to work stuff out. He's done that already. Faith is an action word which requires something of you. Instead of how we, how I know I've done it in times past, how I didn't really activate my faith. I didn't really work in the faith. I expected faith to do something for me without me doing anything for it or with it. So we have to understand faith 
and how God has set faith up and how faith is actually supposed to work in our lives. You know, we, we hear all this stuff that's going on and so forth, and, and I'm with Pastor, thank God for this decision that just happened and so forth, and there's so much more coming because this is a year turnaround. But even in the midst of what we see right now, understand this. Don't stop working your faith because of what you see that's going on, because it's going to take our faith to keep it moving. This decision didn't come about just because. It took some faithful folk praying for this. And as you said, it's 49 and a half years. That's a long time. But the persevering of working in faith brought this to pass. Because honestly, this looked like something in the natural, like this would never happen. This would never happen. With all these supporters of this, this would never happen. But look at God. <laughs> Important. Let's go to Romans 10, 17. For the sake of time, I'm going to jump right over to the CEV. And it says, no one can have faith without hearing the message about Christ. And as, been, as has been said here, especially by Deacon Tyrone, we got to open our mouths. We got to say something. Pastor was saying it earlier. You got to say something. We can't just accept these things that are wrong. We know they're wrong. The worst is they're wrong. We've got to open our mouths and say something. People cannot come into this body if we're not saying something about Christ. You will get more people outside of here that will agree with you as long as you talk in the world's way. And unfortunately, you get a whole lot of church folk doing the same thing. It's time to wise up and say something. It's time to fear God more than you fear man. Because when we don't fear God in the way that we should, then we fear man so much we're always, always trying to make it fit, always trying to make it right or easy, always trying or being overly concerned of how this person's going to receive this and so forth. And I, it's like I live by something now, and it's like, you know, I have to keep reminding myself, you know, when we went through marriage counseling, and the pastor, he said, because um, I, I was shown of guilt to this. He said, you should not try to manage somebody else's emotions. And that thing slapped me in the face so hard because that was me. I was always so concerned about telling somebody something, especially even when I knew it was the truth, and I had already perceived that they were going to respond a certain way. So then I tried to fix it in the way I said it so that I, it would get the results that I wanted. And was not concerned enough about the results that he wants. We have to walk by faith the faith of God that he's already given us, because if not, it's going to be too many people needlessly busting hell wide open. Oh, 
how God sees you. I'm going to borrow this from Minister Barbara. Boy, that thing was just like, ooh, she said that. that was like, what? God's perspective. That thing was serious for me. Because we know in Isaiah in 55, uh, 8 and 9, when it talks about his ways and his thoughts being higher than ours. And I'm constantly reminding myself, especially when I find myself deficient or lacking, it's like, okay, I, obviously I'm on my own level. I'm not on his level. And I'm trying to, I'm, I'm asking and seeking him for, show me where am I that I'm not aligned with you, that I'm not having the outcome that your word says I'm supposed to have. And what I love about these two is they're not afraid of the truth, especially as it relates to themselves. It helps me to be more honest with me, that I can be more transparent with you. It helps me to know, like, yeah, I know I'm not perfect, I'm being perfected, but there's a mess that I still need to clean up. But I will not be able to understand or see it or know it if I don't see it through God's perspective. If I don't see me the way he sees me, then I'm seeing it all wrong. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the, the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God has given us so much, making us like him. Marinate that for a minute. He has given us so much authority over the earth. But guess what? He didn't give us that just so we could become kings Nebuchadnezzar. Who thought that all that he had was because of all that he done. When pastor used the analogy about raking versus shoveling, I saw that. I saw that. It's like, because it makes so much sense now. Because if you're not thinking right, if you don't understand God's perspective, if you're not trying to do it like he wants you to do it, then will you, whether it's financial or otherwise, you'll be just raking all the time, raking, trying to get what you can, raking, and not understanding that, listen, all that you're raking, you already own. It's like hoarding. You ever watch those shows with those people that hoarded really bad? It's like they spend all that time gaining and keeping stuff. And they turn their homes into places that they, that's not livable. And they never seem to have enough stuff because the mindset is I got to keep raking. And I think even in a hoarder's house, when I look around and see some of that stuff in there, it's like, oh, my God, how am 
many people can be blessed by this stuff? Rather than giving it away. And I know it's old, old saying. We've heard it time and time again, but it still stands true. I've never seen a righteous forsaken a seed begging for bread. Never. Not the righteous. And I also have never seen a U-Haul falling a hearse. But yet we hold on to it. We keep trying to get more. And it's like, I, I, I encountered a young man last night while I was working. And um, the Holy Spirit kind of beat me a little bit. Because I have the responsibility of making sure nobody's on that property. And we've been there for like 14 years. And so we've encountered a lot of people and so forth. But I was spiritually pulled out from where I was. I knew I was because I wasn't going where I ended up going on that property. It's a very large property. And as I was approaching one area of it, I could see from a distance, I was like, oh, man, I'm sleeping now. You know, just laid out, all kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so I'm, I'm doing me. I'm going up there, and I'm trying to, you know, just, like, be all serious and all this kind of stuff and so forth. And, you know, <laughs> you encounter so many different characters. So I have my own character. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. So, so we have an understanding when I open my mouth that, okay, this is how this going to go. Nonetheless, I get up there, and I get closer to the guy, and I'm, I'm, I'm in me, and um, he's asleep. So I'm calling out to him, trying to wake him up, and as I finally get him awake, he comes up with this mild-mannered disposition that just threw me off because I was ready. And... This is what the spirit beat me up on. You approach that man the way you do, and you don't know anything about him. Don't know his circumstances, nothing. You don't know why he's there. Because more than likely, he didn't choose to be like that. And as I looked at him, it got worse for me. Because when I looked at him as he began to move around, one of his feet had been amputated. Another one, he must have had some sort of infection in his foot. <coughs> Excuse me. Because you can see where they had cut some of the flesh off of his feet. So the spirit is breaking me down. Breaking me down. And as I'm talking to him, telling him, I'm sorry, you can't stay here. He was just as mild as he could be. And then... <coughs> As he apologized and he was trying to get himself together and so forth, and I'm just feeling so bad that you know, he's already on the ground, he's got a wheelchair and all this stuff. It's like, oh my God. I really wanted to let him stay. I really did. I really did, but I couldn't. So I walked away from him. No, first I asked him what his name was. And he told me, and I said, I'm going to be praying for you. And I walked off <clears throat> and I went a distance so I could watch and make sure he was going to leave. And the Spirit said, go help him. Give him what you have. And I'm be honest. For a minute, I was like, just need to get him off the property. I ain't trying to prolong this. 
so on and so forth. And I just like, okay, Lord, all right, I ain't fighting you. Because <laughs> you're going to win anyway. <laughs> so I go back to him, and I gave him the money I had, and I'm talking with him. And as I see him struggling, I'm trying to help him and, you know, ask him, can I do this? Can I give you this? All that stuff. And he was just, he was just so grateful and all that kind of stuff. And this is what busted me good. Me, the Christian. I said to him, listen, man, I wish I could look like you. He said, I love you. And I think right now, and I think, what, had, what if I just didn't come off in that way? What if I just did me? Because of all the things that I had gone through down there with people. That I, I reached a point where I just treated everybody the same. I'm not disrespectful, but I treat you the same. And I had the opportunity then to say, brother, do you believe this is what God did for you? He said, yeah. Of course I do. I said, have you accepted the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. He said, God bless you. I'm still going to pray for you. And he left without any fuss or anything else. And God allowed me to do what I'm telling you we all need to do. We need to get into the mirror of the word of God. We need to make sure what this says we look like on the inside as well as the outside. We have to have the faith to believe if I do it just like this, it will always come out right. I love this next verse. I, I, I go to it often. Uh, Psalms 139, 14. I want to read it in the passion. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. If we just take some time on your own time, especially, and just really read that word for word, and don't go so fast. Because we'll read it in the King James and the New King James, and, you know, it tells us how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But we read that too, too fast. Because if we go back to Genesis and we understand how God made us, and he comes back here in Psalms and, and reemphasizes, listen, you were not just some simple project. This was personal for me. I took my time with you. You are important to me. And because I made you like me, you need to respect you like I made you. Because if you live right, you look like me. 
when I think about all the things that, you know, not only tonight, but in other times we've talked about as, you know, I'm just sticking with the church. Because we, we, there's a lot of fixing that needs to be done in the church, you know, because we have a lot of casualties out there. And a lot of those casualties is because of the church. It's not just what's out there in the world in the streets that's going on. It's the church going out there fronting and faking and not being real. Too many times, and I'm sure most, if not all of y'all have heard somebody say, I ain't going in there. Why I need to go in there? I get that, I hear. You know? And we need to understand how to judge people. This judging that God talks about is about building people up, not tearing them down. But we're quick to judge people in a way that is definitely not going to build them up. It's definitely not going to make them want to come run in the church house. And the sad reality for us, we do it or have done it, and we never come back to the mirror and evaluate. How, how, wait a minute. Now, when I, when I dealt with that individual, let me find how I dealt with them in here. That it lines up in here somewhere. Because I guarantee you, if you did it like we have done it, and in some cases still do it, you're not going to find it anywhere in here. In fact, what's going to happen is, as you read it, there's going to be some rebuke going on. You're going to find where those crooked lines are in your life. Because this will draw straight lines. <laughs> mm. Don't fool yourself. The enemy hates you. Now we understand the word says that there are two masters. You serve one, hate the other. And for a long time, God began to reveal to me and say, Okay, I'm, I want you to hear what I'm saying tonight, and I don't anymore. You're going to serve one, or you're going to serve the other. Let me say it again, because y'all know. There's two. You're going to serve one, or you're going to serve the other. There is not three, four, five, and six. So in other words, you don't have options other than one or two. So if you ain't serving the one, the God, then you're serving the devil. And it takes knowing the difference because the enemy is a great duplicator. If you ever found yourself or look back over your life and realize something you did that you thought was good, you realized based on the word of God that it was not. We have to. We have to understand this faith. We have to understand this warranty that comes with faith. And this warranty is a, it's a unique warranty. It's unique because when you're out here in the world and you're living however you're living, this warranty also has a tendency to kick in and say, whoa, you're getting too close to the lines. You're about to cause this warranty to be voided. 
John 10, 10, in the Passion, the thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But then Jesus comes back right away. Here comes that warranty. But I have come to give you everything in abundance. Know this, faith will shift you and your circumstances because it takes a shift. You can't just add on and do some things differently. It takes a shift. Um, I didn't put this down on y'all, but can I have Romans 12, 2 in the Passion, please? Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. When you, when you set out to please God, you must first understand God in his way and his will for your life. Because without that, you begin not, not just pleasing man, but pleasing yourself. Because you don't know him the way you need to know him. And knowing God is not a once a week, not a once a month. Not a once an anniversary, not a once a holiday. That's not knowing God. That's a bypassing. The truth is, if we get like a one-hit wonder with God, everybody will be just blessed, no problems in the world. But the mere fact that every day you wake up, you're subject to hear something else going on in the world. And, and a lot of times it's right in your backyard and sometimes it's in your house. And we have to make a conscious decision, a choice, that listen, I'm going to live by the faith that God gives me. Because it comes with a warranty that no matter what I face, no matter what today yields, I'm an overcomer. This, this is next scripture, and I'm almost done, y'all. This next scripture um, has been with me a long time. And I, I, many, many years ago, uh, I preached from here, and um, it was powerful then, it's powerful now. But when you hear it, you might think, okay, I don't get it. Habakkuk 3.19 in the Amplified Classic. And it says, the Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet 
and will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon high places of trouble, surf, suffering, or responsibility. I'm not a hunter, so I don't know animals like that. But I do know a little something, something about deers other than how to eat them. Deer's feet, hooves, are designed in such a way that no matter what terrain they're on, they have a tendency to not only grip the terrain, but the rear feet will land where the front feet touch. So think about it like this. If you've ever been out on a terrain or outside and, and, the, and, the, and the whatever you're on, whether it's dirt, grass, what have you, it is soft. It's not solid. You have a tendency to kind of walk easy, you know, especially if you don't twisted your ankle before. You have a tendency to walk soft because you know that there's a potential for injury. But a deer don't do that. A deer, when they get down, they get down because they have one thing in mind. There's somewhere I need to get to because usually there's something that's behind them causing them to have to get there. Not only do deers run, but they jump and leap. So what is that saying? We have been equipped with the Holy Spirit on the inside of us that no matter what we're going through, God has given us the means to overcome it. But we have to believe that. You have to have the faith to believe that. Because probably every adult in this room that's 35 or older, you done been through a little something, something. You done been through a little something, something. That when it hit you, when you were confronted with it, you kind of got stuck. And not only did you not know what to do, but then fear creeped in. And to be perfectly honest, when fear creeps in, guess what? Faith creeps out. And you begin, we begin to operate out of fear and not faith. And instead of speaking to this mountain and tell it to move, trying to figure out all kind of ways to go around it to make it just as if it's not there, but it's right there. But we're supposed to have faith to believe that we can speak to a mountain. I take that literally. Literally. I don't take that as some little day story. Because if you've been through anything in your life, now you have, I know you have, I know I have, and, and you realize the difference between when you stand up in faith against what you're facing versus when you cower down to it, it's, it's a feeling that comes over you that gives you that, that oomph, like God's word is real. This actually works. I don't have to cower down and run. You know, in the world, they have this, this, this law, this rule about stand your ground when somebody's coming against you. 
But God has a stand your ground rule too. It's called faith in him. See, every time we don't utilize that stand your ground rule in God, we're saying, God, you're not able. You can't fix this. And then when the situation resolves, however it resolves, then we'll come back to, And then we'll say silly things like, mm, God got me through that. Oh, he blessed me. And so forth. And all the time, you ain't doing about making a fool of yourself. I love the fact that this church does Proverbs every month. It talk about fools so much in Proverbs. <laughs> it almost... Honestly, I don't know how a different way to say this. Almost shames you into living right. <laughs> to not be a fool. <laughs> and then as we heard earlier tonight, <laughs> I mean you some strong words. Stupid. Let's go to, um, and speaking of shifting, let's go to John 11 through 35 through 40 quickly in his passion. In real faith. In real faith. Here. And a real warranty in action. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Seeing Jesus wept caused many of the mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. Yet others said, isn't this the one who opens blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Then Jesus, with intense emotions, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over his entrance. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. <laughs> Here you go. Then Martha said, but, Lord, it's been four days since he died. By now, his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe in me, you will see God unveil his power? This takes real faith. That no matter what your circumstances are, to believe to hold on to, to live, to eat and breathe, that God is always able to overcome, to conquer any and everything. I, 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 Pastor was uh, sharing, I think that was this morning, maybe not, <laughs> but I shared this some time ago when I spoke here as it related to my mom. And um, how she uh, went in the hospital under emergency circumstances and was in there overnight. And the very next morning, she started coding. And I found myself in the hallway just crying out to the Lord, crying out to the Lord to save her. And 
you know, with what I've heard not only recently but over the course of time, I am thoroughly convinced that had I been where I needed to be spiritually, my mother could still be with me. I'm convinced. Nobody can convince me otherwise. Because of seeing the power of God, seeing a young man who recently died through an auto accident or was pronounced dead, but his mama didn't give up. She didn't give in. She knew the God that she served and what the God, what that God was capable and able to do. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. But it takes that level of faith. And see, we have to work on this faith every day. Every day. Because of the crafty enemy, you'll be having a, what looks like a calm, simple day. And then out of nowhere, tragedy strikes. He know how to swing at you. And when tragedy hits you, if you have not been working and building your faith, chances are you're going to get knocked over. You'll get back up, but you're going to get knocked over. But as we build the faith, just like a strong man, just like a strong man, who was it? Um, Refrigerator Perry. Football player, if you don't know him, William Perry. He was so big and so determined. <laughs> you, you weren't just going to knock him over. And we as believers, we have to develop our faith like that, that you're not just going to knock me over. You, you might hit me, but I ain't going down. You might try to trick me, but I ain't falling for it. You might try to undercut me, but I'm going to hit you back. We have to. We have to. See, when you build and work on your faith, you begin to understand this warranty program. You understand, like, yeah, cut me, I bled, but it healed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You tried to you tried to lay me up with some sickness, but I'm whole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You tried to cause me to have a confused and a, and a depressed and an oppressed mind, but I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. I ain't going for it. Mm-mm. No, I'm not doing it. We have to make up our minds, and you got to do that every day. That's what Romans is talking about. Romans ain't talking about no one-time turnaround. You have to renew your mind every day. Every day. Every day. Don't believe me? Have a financial struggle. Overcome it. And then sit by the wayside like ain't nothing else going to happen because it's been resolved. Until the next hit comes. to build our faith every day, we already know he lost. Come on, give God a big praise tonight. Come on, give God a bigger praise like you know he's worthy of the praise tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Everybody stand to your feet. Now I'm going to read something, and we're going to pray and go home. All right? James chapter 5, verse 13 through 18. Because we just heard that faith is the warranty. Now, if you know, when you know you have a warranty, when the check engine light come on, comes on, you don't freak out. You don't get anxious. You just, okay, I just take it into the dealership. I take it in to the dealership. If I have a warranty, I don't go to Joe on the corner. I take it in to the dealership. James 5.13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Do you see the warranty of faith working here? Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Your check engine light comes on in the, your physical body. Let him do what? And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith will, will, will. That's a guarantee. That's your warranty, your faith right here. Will save the sick and the Lord will. Come on, help me out. He will raise him up. Now, some of you, you might not be a physical sickness. It might be a financial sickness right now. It might be a marriage sickness right now. Whatever it is in your life, he will raise you up. I said he will raise you up. Now, that raise up, you read it and you really understand it. It's, it's implying a person who's on their deathbed. He said he will raise him up. And if he's committed, committed sins, he will be forgiven. Here's part of the warranty. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. So your prayer avails much. Why? You're praying in faith. Right? Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He had a natural constitution just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Now, that word pray literally means he said, he spoke, he declared something. Because you go back, you read back in, in 1 Kings 18, he, he didn't pray. 17, actually, he didn't pray. He spoke it. He spoke it. And so what you got to know is that when the devil comes against you, heaven is waiting on your words. You can't, you can't, you, you got to make sure you respond with the right words. Whatever you're facing in your life right now, you got to get make sure the right words are coming out. Don't don't say, "Oh, I'm so sick." No, those aren't the right words. "Oh, I'm broke." No, those are the wrong words. When you speak those words, you're reinforcing what the devil's doing. Don't reinforce what the devil's doing, enforce what God has already done. By using your words to speak the answers. I am healed. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. Come on now. I shall live and not die, and I shall declare the works of the Lord. And he prayed again, or he spoke again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. 
Now, every one of us tonight, there's a, there's a situation in our lives that we maybe hadn't told anybody about. Or maybe you have told somebody about it. You just, tonight, I'm just, what I'm, what I'm saying is before we close out, let's use the authority through faith we have and let's, let's apply that, that warranty. And so I want you just, just for, we can do this in one minute. Just get on your mind that situation or those situations in your life where the check engine light has come on. Where there's some sort of malfunction in your life. I mean, if it's not perfect, there's a malfunction. Don't just, don't live with squeaky, squeaky brakes. Don't live with, with, your, with your car smoking all the time. That's not normal. Don't let, don't let the devil's uh, ills become your normal. Let's take our authority over that. So I want you to get in your mind right now, just for a moment, that thing of those things where you got to take some authority right now. Well, I've already done it. I don't care if you've already done it. I'm talking about in this atmosphere, under this prophetic apostolic covering right now, I want you to put in your mind right now that which is malfunctioning in your life, that area, that issue in your life where you need God's intervention, you need him to move, where you need to take, you're going to take your life back to the dealership. Take your body back to the dealership. Take your marriage back to the dealership. Take your finances back to the dealership. Take that situation back to the dealership right now in that area in your life where you need God to do a work in your life, where you need God to perform a miracle in your life. I want you to put that on your mind right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got it? Hallelujah. I want you to say this. Say, in the name of Jesus, I declare right now, in the authority that's been given to me, I speak and I release words of faith, words of power, words of victory. The devil shall not win in my life. My body belongs to God. My life is God's. My marriage is God's. My family belongs to God. My children belong to God. My money is God's. Everything about my life belongs to God. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every demonic attack in the name of Jesus I take authority in this situation in my life it must turn around now it must change now it must turn around now it must change right now I am healed I am delivered I am blessed I am rich I am full
things. Everything is turning around. Everything is turning around in my life. Not next year. Not down the road. This year. This night. This moment. I release my word. Angels, go. Bring the word to pass. Angels, go. Bring my miracle. Angels, go. Perform the word. Angels, go. Minister on my behalf. And I receive my supernatural turnaround. This night, it is done. It is signed. It is sealed. It's delivered in the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, by my faith, I receive it now. Now give God a praise. Give God a praise.